Amen. Amen. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to John, the 14th chapter. John chapter 14. And John 14 comes in the life of Jesus according to the Gospels near the end. He um, sometime either right at the Lord's Supper or right in that time before Gethsemane, uh, Jesus speaks uh, with his disciples, his most beloved, and he knows what's coming, and they're getting a hint of it. They're struggling internally. Jesus keeps saying, I'm going to die, folks. I'm going to the cross. Um, and he speaks to them to encourage them. In the midst of that time, there's a series of these questions that the disciples have for him. Well, what about this? What about this? In particular, we take up with Philip has a question for the Lord Jesus. Um, so this is the word of God. John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. What a great word. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now he's looking them in the eye. This is a real person, flesh and blood. Trust also in me. In the same context, in the same way, trust in me like you trust in God. In my father's house. My father's house. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Questions. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We always emphasize that. It is only by Jesus. But to where? To the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. For now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, sort of a natural question. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough. What did he mean when he said that? Show us the Father, the Father, and that will be enough. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, anyone who has faith in me, will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things in these things because, because, because I am going to the Father. 
And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it to bring glory to the Father. Let me say just a a word, and then we'll pray again and continue to look at the passage. I read somewhere recently, someone was described, what are preachers? What What do I do? And he compared, he said, preachers are, are like the, the, the guy or the girl who serves you a meal at a restaurant. They're waitresses or waiters. Now, our job, uh, when God calls us to do this, maybe he'll call some of you, is simply to take the meal that God has prepared, the Bible, the word of God, and serve it to the people. That's all we're we're about. Just bring the word of God and and serve it up to the people. I thought about that the other day, and I thought, you know, I'm not sure I'm even one of those guys. You ever go to a restaurant sometime, and the waitress or waiter waits on you, and and then maybe you have a large group or for whatever reason, when they come back with the food, there's this other guy that stands behind them with the food too? That's me. (laughs) I'm just the extra guy holding the plates for you to to serve it up. God has prepared it because I don't don't have any fresh new ideas. I have what I've read and God's servants have brought us in the past uh, and bring those to you. And I bring you simply as best as I can clearly what God has made up for us to feed us. His word, the Bible. So feast on the word. Heavenly Father, allow us to feast on your word. Not... Not some magical, superstitious, goofy thing in which we think that by saying the vowels and nouns, it'll bring some blessing, but cause our minds to grasp hold of the concepts, the truth that you have infallibly recorded in the Bible for us to see and to know. And not only recorded, you actually lived out, oh God, in your Son, the Lord Jesus, on the earth in flesh and blood, the Word of God walking on the earth. Help us now, O Father, to grasp and to believe for all of our lives, O Father, we ask. In God God the Son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. In that passage we read, he kept saying, the Father, the Father. One of the first things Jesus says after the resurrection, you remember the the story of Mary Magdalene and the resurrection, and she sees him, and she's not the first to believe. Peter's the first to believe. He sees the evidence, and he believes. Hadn't seen or talked to him, but one of the first things we have recorded of Jesus saying after the resurrection is to, is to Mary Magdalene. And what does he say to her? Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to, do you remember? My Father and yours and your Father. To my God and your God, to the Father, to the Father. There's a story, uh, Ray might remember, a a guy named Derek Redmond 
Redmond years ago was an Olympic racer, I think the marathon. Remember, he's the guy that fell down and couldn't, couldn't quite, it's, it's one of those classic kind of things, couldn't quite make the finish line. And a guy comes out of the crowd and holds him up and gets him across the finish line. He didn't win, but he finished. You know what the great beauty of that is? That guy that helped him across was his dad. His dad came out of the crowd and helped him up, helped him get across the finish line, the father. Now, it's great that it happened and someone helped him like that and he finished, but how much greater is it that it was his very dad? What do you mean when, when you confess your faith, either in passing to someone or particularly as a congregation, we, we sometimes use the Apostles' Creed and we say, I believe in God, the Father. What does that mean? In a great moment of prayer, the longest recorded, Jesus says, Father, Father, how's he start out? Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life, might give eternal life to all those you have given him. The Father gave us to him. Now this is eternal life, what? What's eternal life? So someone finds out you're a Christian at work or, or, or you run into an old friend in a restaurant or, in, or at the grocery store. What's eternal life? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That you might know the Father. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave, to me, gave me to do. And now, Father, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that you had, that I had with you before the world began. Father, I believe in God the Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth. What does that mean theologically? What does it mean uniquely? How is it different? And what does it mean personally? for you what does it mean when you say our father who art in heaven or in your private and personal prayers father our relationship with god almighty the creator of heaven and earth is that of a father when jesus in his own words taught us to pray our father who art in heaven it is holy our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name so he defines it what does it mean? It means holiness. There is something theologically unique about this name. Holy is your name. I was talking with a good friend, Matt, at work the other day, and, and uh, uh, the word holy came up, and I asked him, you know what it means? He did, too. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it just means you're strange. If you're holy, you're strange. The word holy means different. So don't be afraid to be different. The word actually just means different, or in, in a context, it means to be set apart. So we might take something special and set it apart and, and say that's holy. The, the, the furniture and things in the tabernacle were holy unto the Lord. That is, they were set apart unto the Lord. They were for a special purpose, not to be used in a common way. So when, when Jesus says, uh, teaches us about the Father and Many of you already know that that wasn't a common term for God before Jesus. The concept had always been there way back in Abraham. My children, he chose Israel. They were his children. The truth was always known, but people didn't call God our father. 
That's something that Jesus brought and revealed to us. Our Father. And yet, because of that, and because all of us have fathers, whether we're privileged to know them or not, some good, some bad, we sometimes import into that idea everything we know from that experience. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's not okay. <laughs> uh, we sometimes think of God as our father, like our own human father, and he is very, very unique, holy, different, strange, not like the father that we may have experienced on earth in a theological way, in a way that is, theology just means thinking about God. Theology is God, logic is logic. Reasoning about God. When we reason about God, and we say, I believe in God the Father, it introduces a mystery too deep to be delivered. And so glorious, all that Isaiah could say was, holy, holy, holy. The angels would cry, holy, holy. All they could say is, this is different. This is really wild. This is crazy. He is so unique. Who is God? The essence is right there. Here you have Jesus, who is God, the Son, teaching us to pray to God the Father, a different person. And yet when Philip says, show us the Father, he says, don't you know yet? If you know me, you know the Father. We're one and the same. We're one God. And yet three distinct persons the truth of the Trinity is inculcated in the very beginning of that truth. And every time we say our Father, the uniqueness of the nature of God, being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, unlike anything else, is right there. In John 14, Philip asked just a few days, or just not even a few days, hours before Jesus would die, show us the Father. And they said, don't you know me yet? Don't you know how difficult sometimes it is, though, to shed some of the old concepts and understand the uniqueness? You see, we don't get to choose who God is. It's one of the tragic realities of our world. Everyone believes in God. We live like we don't, but everyone does. Everyone knows that there's something else, something more. And... Uh, because we don't really know this God of the Bible, we imagine who he is, and we make him who we want him to be. Now, that's nice. Sometimes when we get married, we imagine who our spouse is, and then the stark reality sets in. And sadly, some get divorced and other things. If you stay long enough, you'll experience a beautiful thing like unto God. But you don't get to choose who someone else is. You don't get to pick that. They are who they are. And God is who he is. And you don't get to choose who he is. You don't get to make him whoever you want him to be. He is who he is. He is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Paul begins this great theological treatise in Romans saying, For what can we know about God is plain to them, because God has shown to them, as he's revealed, the his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So in creation, we can know something about who God is, so they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. We live in that world. God is available and he's revealed himself in creation. But now in Jesus Christ, in the scriptures, he reveals himself in our conscience, to our minds, the truth of who he is. Not the God whom we want to make up. Not the God of those who have distorted the Jehovah Witness and the, the Mormon and all the Muslim and all the others. Many want to say, well, God is just, no, God is the God of the Bible alone, uniquely, distinctly the God of the Bible. Not just who you want him to be. You can't make him up. He is exclusive. He is holy. Other than the images different from the images that we want he is god the father here is the son praying to god the father he is god the son and god the holy spirit one god uniquely god put yourself back at the last supper john 14 tells us of this series of questions and they're struggling they're not this is not a a fun meal like at some Italian family get together in which we all talk the same side and everyone laughing. This is a sober, somber occasion. He's going to die, and he keeps telling them that. And his, he in his own spirit is struggling. He will shortly go and pray and sweat great drops of blood. In the midst of that, these are serious questions. And Philip says, Lord, just show us the Father. What did he mean when he said that? What did Philip mean? Do you think before Philip met Jesus and he had a question about God, he would say, show us the Father? No, he would say, show us God. But now after three years with Jesus, he knows that God is the Father. And Jesus is always talking about him as my Father and your Father. And so he says, show us the Father. And that will be enough. So the Father is uniquely God. Almighty. Father is not a common term. Jesus used it, and they tried to kill him because of it. When Jesus called him our father, my father, a unique father, not like you and I, the son called God the father, father, they tried to kill him because they understood he was saying, we are one and the same, uniquely progressive revelation something new has been revealed about who god is at least brought to light it was always there but brought to light hebrews tells us in the past god spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times and in various ways but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son and the son reveals the father whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also the universe was made. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. The Son reveals to us the Father, that they are one, almighty Savior living among them, Striking is it that he would, he would spoke of, speak of him as his father. Philip realized that God the Father is not Jesus. The very question reveals it because he asked Jesus to reveal the Father. 
So he understands that the Father and the Son are distinct persons. And yet Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father. We are one. It is that mystery of the Trinity. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone, anyone, anyone who sees me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? The uniqueness of that reality is that if you know Jesus, you know the Father, for they are one. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, he says? The words that I say are not of my own. They're not my authority. They're from the Father. Believe me when I say I am the Father and the Father is in me. At least believe the evidence. Philip's mind must have been completely blown away. For some of you blessed to be brought up in a Christian surrounding, perhaps a Christian home, you may have heard of the Trinity, but it is beyond our imagination, that reality that God is one God and yet three persons. It is a distinctiveness so unique. It is the very confession that we confess is all based on this reality. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit is in that, in that Apostles' Creed. It is the basis of Christianity, unique, and it is the basis of our life, uh, unique. This is eternal life, he says, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, is Jesus God? Yes, but he calls God the Father God, that they might know you, the only true God, the Father. By way of revelation, not human imagination, we understand something of the uniqueness of God, our Father in heaven, our Father. It leaves us without excuse. The Father sent his word to Son that we might know him in the revelation and eternal life. Remember John, in the beginning of his book, speaks about the uniqueness of the Son and being there at creation. And then he says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Notice that the Bible says, become children of God. Well, aren't we all children of God? Didn't God make all of us? Yes. And yes, if you are so blessed, you and a woman, you and another uh, and a man, to have a child, that makes you a parent, right? No. It makes you a parent by way of creation, but to be a father means to father a child, to be that father to that child. This is When we say our father, we're not talking about he created us all. We're talking about a special, unique relationship that God loves us as our father. It is unique. I believe in God the Father. It's to know him in Christ. It's not just, it is theologically to know the awesome reality that God is three in one, but it is to know him as a father. It is not just producing a child, rather fathering a son, a daughter. He is our father. It is Jesus who reveals this unique relationship with God as father as he did to Mary Magdalene post-resurrection. Um, it's impossible to imagine those circumstances. If you can 
if you can recall, maybe you can't because sometimes our brain won't allow us. If you can recall the, the worst moment of grief that you've ever had, the absolute worst despair of grief you've ever had, that's where Mary was. Jesus was gone. She turns and sees him and calls him teacher for Boni. And Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go tell my brothers, the Father. It is a unique relationship with Jesus. In his resurrection, God the Father becomes our Father. In the resurrection of Jesus, uniquely, he becomes our Father. Oh, it had been revealed through Abraham, but uniquely becomes ours through the resurrection, through Jesus. The earliest recorded words of Jesus on earth, it was true and unique. You remember those earliest times of Jesus speaking? He was 12 years old. They went to the temple, the tabernacle, to to the temple um, for Passover and Jesus disappears on them. And if you have children, you know what that's like. One minute they're there, and two seconds later, you can't find them. Jesus disappeared on them. And when mom and dad find them, mom's pretty irate. Uh, it says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, why have you tr- Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Oh, that sounds pretty mild, great distress. We've been terrified. We called 911. We called the police. All your relatives are looking for you. Where have you been? And he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? It is a unique relationship, different from parenting, Assumes it is unique. They didn't understand yet, but they will. A relationship and a reality that has a powerful effect upon our thinking to know that God is our Father. Not only the powerful reality of Him as being God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but He's our Father. And so Jesus will tell them, Don't worry about substance, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and he will take care of you. He will add all these things unto you. What precedes that is, just like he takes care of the birds and everything else in the world, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? God will take care of you. It is a unique relationship. And lastly, what does it mean to trust in God, our very own Father, and I, his child? The Heidelberg Catechism, the German Catechism, uh, asks that very question. It just says, what do you mean when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty? What does that mean? Here's the answer that was written so many years ago. That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and some other things, is my God and Father because of Christ his Son. He is my Father because of Christ his Son. It is a relationship with God through Jesus alone. He becomes our Father. Now, if we are children, the Heidelberg says, then we are heirs. That's what it means. We are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings. 
in order that we may also share in his glory. What does it mean, God's our father? It means we're part of the family, and when the family suffers, the whole family suffers. We share in his suffering, Romans 8. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit that makes you a slave, again, to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And yet, what was one of the first things the Spirit led Jesus to do? He took him out into the wilderness and tried him. He would take him to the cross. John 1. Yet all who receive him, those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Just three days before... uh, um, Mary Magdalene, and Jesus says, I, I have not gone to the Father. And Jesus cries out a cry in faith. Do you remember? He's dying on the cross. It's just about done. In fact, he says, it's finished. I paid your entire debt of sin. And what are Jesus' last words? Father. Father. Into your hands I commit my soul. What does it mean that God is our Father? It means when your day comes, when your last day comes, knowing it or not, your spirit should trust in faith in God and say, Father, I trust you. I commit my soul to you in this. I know where I'm going. I trust you, Father. God is holy. Three persons, one God. There is none like him. God is holy. The Father has sent the Son, Jesus, that we might become, that we might become by faith in Jesus, his children. A unique, exclusive relationship, not shared by all humanity, but only found in Christ. God is holy by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. Anyone, anyone, anyone who trusts in Jesus has a Father in heaven beside Jesus. And when that day comes, we will trust him. Do you believe in God the Father? Let me pray for a second, and then we're going to rise and confess together, I believe. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us the gift of faith to us, O Father, and to our children, and our children's children. We pray, O Father, we cry unto you as our Father in heaven. We trust in you, Father. Through Jesus, your son. Amen. Let's rise and confess our faith together. Say it like you believe it. Believe it. It is true. Together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence we will come to judge the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, 
the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen.